0: Uh, Let's kick it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Always taken aback.
0: Collaborate and listen. How do you not know the rest of this? i d
1: I, I I've heard I the song a million like a times, but I don't know the lyrics. Oh. Beyond well, Stop, no Collaborate and Listen. <laughs> I can't I wish I could, you know, carry the baton over the finish line for you, but I, I just can't. I don't know. Oh what.
0: man. That music video was on the playlist at Sidewalk. And uh, Aaron Penhas, our former um, cinema manager, slacked us all one day when it was on the cinema and like a father took his kids over to watch it. He's like, look at this, kids. And he said they literally stopped, collaborated and listened. Oh, my God. I appreciated that note from him. Anyway, this is Side Talks. It's not a Vanilla Ice podcast.
1: It could be. Could be
0: could really I go mean, into that territory. I mean, we're entering into a new
1: era. This is episode 201. It could be we could pretty much anything we want it to be.
0: Yo VIP.
1: He only made one movie though.
0: Cool as Ice, yeah, we which talk about is a it. very strange film, actually. I think I have talked about it. Yeah, anyway, let's, you have. Mm, let's, let's, get, let's get this going. Let's okay. be, let's All right. be, we're 201 now. Let's be more professional,
1: okay? Mm, okay, we'll try. Please,
0: you've got, a, you've got a gizmo on your head right now. I still
1: haven't taken the gizmo and, um, mask off from 200. So let's,
0: let's clean up our act. Let's get going. All Talking right. about movies. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema.
1: And I'm Corey Kraft. I'm some asshole with a gizmo mask on.
0: What? Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's Valentine's season. It's tis the season. Tis the month.
1: Tis the month of Valentine's Day, which is falling on February 14th, the future for us as we record this, possibly the past for you as you listen to this.
0: Yeah, possibly. And we gave you a little bit of runway. Anyway, we have come up now with a really lovely, uh, at least mine is, a very lovely Ten, top 10 Valentine's Day list that we suggest you begin watching right now to take you through the month of February with a heart around it.
1: So let me ask you an important let's do it question. Yeah. I need I need a point of order on okay. this list making. Okay. Did you try to make a list of films that take place on or around Valentine's Day?
0: I really didn't. I have looked up I've done that search a good bit because you're know, there aren't we, that many there aren't that many there is of course Valentine's Day and then there are a few that have you know a moment here a moment there but there aren't that many and that is indeed again when we program because both of us pro- work to program every year some kind of a Valentine's Day event uh, that involves films and there really you're right there aren't that many and so I kind of threw that out and actually I kind of threw out a, a few things I kind of mm-hmm. threw out thinking about this just approaching it like what are romance films you uh-huh. know, what are my favorite rom- that's a kind of a different question I wanted to get stuff that felt like it, it was appropriate to watch around the holiday and you know in the sort of in the season and also that would bring some kind of a vibe of fun there's some things I left off my list because I didn't think that they would be fun enough now that being said there's there are a couple things that people are going to go wait you think that's fun <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm acknowledging that but I you know I wanted these to have this kind of one one very one in particular um, but I wanted to ha- them to have this sort of Valentine's Day vibe how did you come up with your list?
1: So at at first I tried to approach it by trying to find movies that took place on Valentine's Day. And then when that obviously didn't turn up too many results, I I compiled a list of my favorite romantic movies. Now, a lot of these are romantic comedies. Not all of them are romantic comedies. A lot of them are a little bit even uh, more melancholy. Um, At least one of them kind of moves firmly into that territory, in fact. Um, But this is not, I don't know if it's the top 10 best romantic movies ever made, um, but certainly 10 of my favorites. Um, And and so that's kind of how I approached it. Um, So don't take this as comprehensive, uh, but these are 10 movies I really, really love. So I feel pretty good about the list nevertheless.
0: Cool. Well, let's let's start with 10 being the, you know... Well, we're leading up to our number one best of, sure, right? Sure, sure. And so I'll take number 10 if that's Please. okay with you. Um, I'll go number 10 and, and I'm cheating already. Already I'm, I'm I'm cheating right here on a Valentine's Day list. And that is I'm going to double it up. Okay. And I'm going to say one of the films that we're actually screening for part of our um, Valentine's Gay series, a film called Bound. Yep. And I love this film. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it has actually a little bit sort of uh darkly and strangely and ridiculously romantic of course um and there aren't a lot of lgbtq films that sort of just stick in the world of being so campy but yet so you know um i don't know lgbtq without somebody getting you know paying the price for being LGBT. sure that makes it's not sense.
1: like you know the the kill the gays trope yeah. when yeah.
0: you do a search and you will sometimes see something like boys don't cry on, sure. a, on a valentine's day list and i'm like no 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 yeah that if is, you that's hate not- the
1: world and right. want to feel terrible about it
0: right and then I, I, as a, I actually think this would make a great double feature with this, But the, the tie here is also then Fatal Attraction, which <laughs> I think is, I actually think is a lot, I'll argue is a lot of fun.
1: Oh, it is fun. Um, it is quite a Valentine's Day, choice. isn't it?
0: Isn't it? I mean, everybody needs a little stalking moment. Everybody needs a little something. And by the way, this is a very anti-feminist film. But uh-huh. I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna let's reclaim it. Let's br- let's bring it back and and and. You know, take it for take it not for what it's worth, but make it our own.
1: I love Fatal Attraction, I actually so do too. Which I'm, is why I I'm ready to, to reclaim it. Yeah,
0: anyway, that's my number 10.
1: Well, my number 10 uh, comes from the same year as Fatal Attraction. Glenn Close, the great Glenn Close, starred in Fatal Attraction. She got an Oscar nomination for Best Actress for playing, you know, unhinged Alex Forrest in that movie. Yeah. but she lost. Who did she lose to? The star of my number 10, Cher. In Moonstruck
0: Great film Almost made my list It would probably be number 11 It's so wonderful Somebody bring me a knife I'm gonna slip my throat
1: Yep uh, th- it's just big and brash and hilarious and operatic and romantic, as Cher and her one-handed bow played by Nicolas Cage, an indelible Nicolas Cage, and that's saying something because he's been indelible in a lot of his roles, right? Um, but but there's just something irresistibly um, absolutely magical. I guess is the word. That's that's cliche, but it is. Um, no,
0: I think that's accurate. And I mean, it's a stroke of genius to cast Cher and Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just really is. Anyway, great. I think that's a great choice, Corey. I do.
1: Yeah. Well, that's my number 10. What's your number nine?
0: My number nine is one that, didn't I mention that these need to be fun? Because here we go. <laughs> very little fun, but stars somebody who you are very fond of, um, perhaps somebody that you're not. The one and only Buffalo 66.
1: Ooh. Well, it's hard to be very fond of Vincent Gallo, but I love this movie.
0: Yeah, I do too. And here's the thing. Is it problematic? Yes, absolutely. We can talk about well, – let's not talk about all the reasons why it's problematic. But the end scene yeah. where he's – I mean, this doesn't spoil anything to say this. He's sort of picking out a cookie. Okay, it. it for some reason, I find that moment to be so charming, even though what a creeper. Still. <laughs> still. Um, and I can't. Anytime I think about Valentine's Day f- moments in film, that that comes to mind. Yeah, that's a I, I wonderful choice. I actually think it's kind of a sweet moment.
1: It's a sweet movie. It's in a some really ways it sweet really is, movie. but it
0: is it is problematic because you know. Just so everybody knows, you don't don't take a woman captive, kidnap her, and drag her around to make her your Valentine.
1: Wait, what's wrong with that? <laughs>
0: Oh, that's my number nine. I'll stick by it.
1: Well, listen, if that's a problem, I've got to oh, go take care of some something really Uh-oh. quick. Um, never mind. Um, my number nine, we were just talking about Nicolas Cage, and here is a Nicolas Cage movie that has nothing problematic in it whatsoever. Oh, I bet. And if you're wondering about the snakeskin jacket that I'm wearing, it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief. In personal freedom. I'm talking about, of course, about Wild at Heart from the great David Lynch. Um, Probably the most unabashedly romantic movie David Lynch has ever made, which is not a real high bar to clear (laughs) since a lot of his movies are about psychosexual perversion and the opposite of romantic. Um, Unless, you know, you're really into Twin Peaks. I I don't know. Uh, Anyway, uh, Wild at Heart is probably the most uh, romantic movie. Hilarious movie where a dude gets his head completely blown off in the first like five minutes or something. But um, the romance between Nick Cage and Laura Dern is really, really special.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think that makes for a, for a great Valentine's Day film. I, I, I agree with that being on a list. Um, my number eight is Pretty Woman.
1: Well, this is a shock. Isn't it? Isn't it? (laughs) What on earth is happening? Isn't it? From uh, the the person who recently called Gary Marshall, the director of this movie, a hack. I know. um, Who has issues well-documented with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. And yet.
0: And yet, here it is. I think this film's really, really fun to watch. But I watched this the same way Romeo and Michelle watch it. Sure, You know. Or they're like, huh, I love when she gets to shop. It is it is a really just enjoyable, I think would make for a really fun date night kind of movie.
1: Of course. Of course. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. I don't it.
0: have anything else to add. I don't, what else does, does one need to add? And really, the heart of this thing is capitalism anyway, which is really fun to to watch the film with that in mind.
1: Of course. It's all transactional. Isn't it? Uh, My number eight is a a really lovely under-the-radar romantic drama from 2014 uh, from the director Gina Prince-Bythewood. She's probably best known at this point for directing the film Love and Basketball, um, but everybody already knows that movie. So I wanted to highlight uh, her movie Beyond the Lights, which is a a really great sort of the bodyguard style – but much better obviously oh, um, romantic drama about a pop singer in distress and the police officer who um, who sees her and is able to um, well help her down a path of more artistic integrity um, as they begin this little romance. Now, he's played by Nate Parker, and Nate Parker, of course, been in the news um, over the past few years for for some not great things. But the star of this movie is Gugu Mbatha-Raw, who is just fantastic in the lead role here. Um, And it's a really sweet and wonderful film um, that more people really need to catch up with. I I love it a great deal.
0: Cool. Well, my number seven. Mm-hmm. That's where I am, right? Yep. yep. Oh, I don't care. I really don't care. It's La La Land.
1: Yeah, I thought you. about it, but d- it didn't quite make my list.
0: I hear that, but I, you know, the scene in Days to where that's a little different than kind of the rest of the film. This moment is where he's in the back seat and he's like, "I want to dance." Yes, yes, yes. I feel I like love when that I line. put this when I put this film on a list, that's what I feel like. I feel like the old Scrooge. I'm a jerk. I know it, y'all. I acknowledge it. I'm always bitching. I'm always, you know, taking down people's heroes. I I cannot be pleased, you know. But yet I go watch this film and I'm like, I just love it. I can't help myself.
1: Despite a five-minute fight on screen musicals themselves. (laughs) As a subgenre, you fought against their very existence. I
0: know, and here I am putting La La Land on a list. I just love it when they dance, Corey. I
1: really do like La La Land a lot. Um, but I haven't revisited it since theaters, so I should probably yeah. give it a watch at some and point.
0: And I've mentioned this before, but I got to see it all alone in the theater on the big, huge screen in a yeah. really big room at one of the AMCs. And it was really lovely. It was such a treat. And I'll tell you what really got got it for me, because I liked the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy myself. But the the end montage of what could have been – Yeah, the dream is, ballet. Is really just heartbreaking and sweet and sort of – I don't know. it It – it's the thing that sold the film for me. Yeah. hell I yeah. Re- really liked it. Anyway, it's great. no more time on La La Land. It's my number seven.
1: My number seven is Spike Jones is her. You will believe oh, wow. that a man can fall in love with his cell phone.
0: Speaking of no fun.
1: Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's not it's sad. I I know it is. But it's also so deeply human, I guess, is the best word for it. Um I love Joaquin Phoenix in this movie. I love Scarlett Johansson's vocal performance.
0: I love Amy Adams in this. Amy
1: Adams is so good in this movie. And
0: look, it's hard for us to go find something in the last few years that Amy Adams has been good in. This is one of those things. <laughs> yes. so we got to dip back into the past a bit.
1: Yep. Um she's still in a dry spell. Come on, Amy. Figure it out. Come on. Um but but her, you know, just hits on all cylinders for me. Uh, just a wonderful wonderful movie.
0: Cool. Well, my number six—a little bit of a tonal shift from La La Land, and that is single white female.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, why Bridget did this Fonda, make your Valentine's Lee. Day list? Oh, uh,
0: why? Why does this not? How does this not make a Valentine's Day list? How I, does this not? Okay, I mean, <laughs> you know, everybody loves a little bit of a film about you know your roommate who gets a crush on you, cuts her hair just to look just like you, and then you know, yeah, tries to take out. Everybody in your world. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs>
1: uh, so, so far, your list has fatal attraction and single white female.
0: <laughs> I think every Valentine's list should have a little bit of stalking in it.
1: Okay. I really do. All right. Fair enough. Um, I don't know that mine does, but we'll see. Um, Number six, we're going way back to classic Hollywood to 1937 for the screwball comedy The Awful Truth uh, starring Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. They are divorcees who out of spite – and possibly still out of love, stay involved in each other's life lives post-divorce and mess with each other as they try to find new romantic partners. Of course, like all good screwball comedies, it ends with the couple realizing they're better off married, but the journey there is a lot of fun, really hilarious. You've got that dog who's in all those 30 screwball comedies from The Thin Man who shows up in this movie being fun. I think he's also in Bringing Up Baby, which is another movie that will both of those movies almost made this list because the thin man and bringing Up baby are fantastic but the awful truth is the movie i went with um not the oldest movie on this list either but that's a little tease for later
0: that doesn't surprise me that's cute um my number five i don't care Corey. it doesn't matter to me everybody can get mad come on and bring it whatever it's twilight
1: uh, do you want to elaborate on that, or should I let this moment pass uh, and save you the embarrassment?
0: Oh, I, I'm not embarrassed at all. I don't give a shit. I am proud to have this <laughs> as number five on my list. That's all. This is also the one where he, you know, I think the original is where he turns around. and he's like, "Here we go, little spider monkey, or whatever weird little thing he says yeah. as he's climbing trees." This is a fun film. I don't care what you say. <laughs> We've fought about it before, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit around here and continue to defend myself. This goes on a Valentine's Day list.
1: Well, okay, Team Bella. Fair enough. Um, Are you excited to see uh, your boy Rob play the Batman in the Batman? No. I I, heard about the runtime. Oh, I know, three hours. Are you kidding me? That
0: means it's an hour and a half too long.
1: Uh, Maybe forty-five minutes too long. Let's see. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm not excited for it to be three hours long. No, Uh, but I am excited to see that movie. I like Pattinson. I think he's good. I like Kristen Stewart. I think she's good. Anyway, so that's a that's about Twilight. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five is a movie that, um, depending on when you're listening to this, um, has probably just recently played at the Sidewalk Cinema as part of our Kissum or Dissum. Uh, series uh, for Valentine's Day weekend. And that film is Hal Ashby's Harold and Maud.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a great film. It's a great film. It gets so much play and it gets so much attention and it's it's so beloved. I didn't put it on my list for those reasons. I've also I think I've seen it one or two too many times. Yeah, But I do stand by it as a, as a selection that we made for Valentine's Day. And I, I, I think it's such a great film. And I think really probably – one thing to point out about this film is one of the first films that I feel like I watched and kind of felt like I was I was thinking about a film in a really critical way at, yeah. a, very, at a
1: very young age. So um, it's funny that you mentioned that um, you've taught this film before, right? I have, yeah. I teach this film. It's a very to you. teachable film. It's a very teachable film. It is a very good, almost uh, like you're you're slightly opening the door for the kids to walk through to do more uh, investigation into well. More grown-up cinema, yeah. um, and the cinema of the 1970s and the New Hollywood, which this sort of comes right at the uh, the beginning of, um, and
0: one of the few sort of PG 13 films of that era, so to speak.
1: But it, it's got it's got an edge. It's got an it edge that a lot edge. of contemporary films doesn't do, do not. It does.
0: But, you know, it's not it's I'm, not, you, you know,
1: vicious. It, no.
0: And I mean, I, I remember I mean, heck, it felt it felt like way more appropriate content for me. It's, you know, it's seven years old than a lot of the stuff I was watching. in sure. that era. <laughs> I'll say that.
1: Um, great film. Yeah. Great film. So you're number four.
0: My number four is Valley Girl. And yeah. the original Valley Girl. Sure. It's I said I mentioned my list was going to be fun, and you know it, this is this is the this is the absolute best version of guy meets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl. Absolutely.
1: I um, yeah. I also, like, I like this movie.
0: Here's a fun piece of trivia that I haven't mentioned about this film that I just learned recently, which was that in the f- at the fight scene at the prom, right? There's a big fight scene uh-huh. that they actually for extras they invited two rival fraternities to play extras, and the extras actually got into fights. No kidding. Yeah. So that's a fun that's a fun one to watch for um when rewatching this film for Valentine's Day if you're indeed going to do that.
1: This is I think by my count the third Nicolas Cage movie on this list so far. Makes sense. I yeah, mean, we're killing it. You
0: know. Who nope. do, who doesn't want that hunk in their life for Valentine's Day?
1: For real. Uh, my number 4, okay, so it's inclusion on this list was inspired partially when I was looking up Valentine's Day specific movies. And this is not a Valentine's Day specific movie, but one of its plot points was suggested by the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, a big yeah. uh, gunfight of a bunch of mobsters, or a bunch of people executed. Yeah. Uh, and so this, of course, is um, the Billy Wilder uh, comic classic, Some Like It Hot, mm-hmm. uh, where Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon are two musicians who run into this gangland massacre and to escape. They dress like women and and uh, hide out with an all women's band, where of course Marilyn Monroe is part of the band and you know Tony Curtis and Marilyn Monroe they just can't keep their eyes off each other um, even though Tony Curtis is ostensibly a woman and then of course Jack Lemon um, as you know a woman um, uh, is awfully appealing to some eccentric old billionaire guy, um, which of course sets up some of the most. Uh, memorable comic set pieces in that film. I really love it. It's really funny.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, we needed something with Marilyn in it on our list, and so I appreciate you doing that.
1: Almost went with Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. I love that movie, too.
0: Yeah. Well, my number three is My Bloody Valentine.
1: Figured this was inevitable for your list. It is. It is.
0: And, I mean, that is indeed a Valentine's Day moment that's on the list. So, you know. What can you do? Yeah. You got it. It's it's great. And I actually like both of them. I like the original. I and like, the, I, remake I, I like too. the remake I like the do. remake. I do. I really enjoyed good. the remake. It's good. So it, it's going to, you know.
1: Lots of pickaxe related violence. Can't go wrong there.
0: Valentine, a, a wonderful Valentine's Day dance and, you know, a lot of blood.
1: Yep. Um, so are we on my number three?
0: We're on your number three. Paul
1: Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love.
0: Oh, great film! Yeah. I probably should have that on my list. I actually just didn't think about it, but that is a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day film. So yep. I may, I may have to reorder my list based on that, Corey. I a little,
1: you know, talk about movies with a little bit of bite. This has more than a little bit of bite. Adam Sandler maladjusted misfit falls improbably in love with Emily Watson, who reciprocates his affection for some reason. Um, the whole thing is. Magical and off balance and feverish in a way that Paul Thomas Anderson seems to be um, the best at capturing.
0: And I will say also an incredibly, incredibly sweet film. It really, really is. I I think that what Paul Thomas Anderson does really well oftentimes, and this is a a great example of it, is it it is such a – it's it's such an interesting world building and a lot of strange – is going on all around you, and yet it's rooted in something that is that feels so relatable and so true, and has something so true to say about something like, um, in this case, not first love, but but maybe love that comes after you've kind of given up on love. Yep, and that there's some real truth in that, but it's it's surrounded by so much, you know, sort of, I guess, just other world building, otherworldly world building.
1: Yeah, the movie opens with a catastrophic car crash and a another car pulling up and dropping a tiny little harmonium on the sidewalk and driving away without a word. So sets you up for something a bit askew and the whole movie delivers on that promise.
0: It's a great film. For sure. My number 2 and I shouldn't have started off by saying that in order to make the list, you have to have fun because boy, oh boy, is there very little fun in this, but I cannot make a Valentine's Day list without including it. It is Blue Valentine.
1: Ooh, um, I thought about it.
0: I but know. This and this is I the know why. Of fun. And I know why it doesn't make a list. I, I totally understand, but it is just such an incredible film and it's right there in the title. And I do think that... It deserves a place on a Valentine's Day list.
1: So I think this movie made my top 10 in 2010 and I have not revisited it since because this is not one that I revisit. This is one that hit me pretty hard in 2010. You know, um,
0: I find it still revisitable. Yeah. And I've left Eternal Sunshine off my list. I've left that off because I know that comes up a lot, but I find that film actually incredibly heartbreaking and very difficult to watch. Whereas for some reason while Blue while Blue Valentine is indeed heartbreaking, I've I'm able to I'm able to revisit it. I really am. There's something about it that that will pull me back in.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. I I should probably rewatch it one of these days. I just don't want to be uh devastated. Uh, which I'm sure I will also do. Michelle Williams. Yeah, she's great. Well, you know, that's another case of like, she's usually great.
0: She's usually great. Yeah. But she's really great in this. Yeah. Anyway, that's my number two.
1: Well, I think you'll appreciate my number two. I don't know that it will would have uh, come close to your list. For some of the parameters that you've listed, or maybe it'll be your number one. And I just am talking out of my ass. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Celine Sciamma's Portrait of a Lady on Fire yep. from 2019. Uh, you can't have Valentine's Day without a little good old fashioned yearning, and boy, does this have that in spades. Just frankly, one of the most romantic movies ever made, um, as this relationship between this painter and her subject. Uh, deepens and develops. Um, We've talked so much about this movie on this podcast. Yeah. Um, So if you listen to this podcast and you still haven't seen this movie, do yourself a favor, watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire, one of the best movies uh, of the past several years. Agreed. Um, And I, yeah, again, I don't know. Is this your number one?
0: It's not. And I'll tell you why I've left it off my list. Because I think this is a great film that ends up on every damn list I make. And so Fair I enough. was just like, you know what, let me let me steer clear of it. But at every point, at every turn, it easily could have made it on my list. And I do think it's a beautiful, romantic, lovely Valentine's Day film. But I also wonder if... It wouldn't be a go-to choice for me for, say, a, a Valentine's Day night date. I think it's another kind of night date. Yeah. And so for that reason, I kind of felt like I can watch this any month of the year. You know, it just doesn't sure. sit with me as necessarily a Valentine's Day selection, even though I completely um, respect and understand why it might make a list.
1: No, I, I agree with that. It, it There is not something that says like, you know, like a lot of other romantic dramas or romantic comedies, this must be watched around Valentine's Day.
0: Right. Um and it's it's not light.
1: It is not. That's the other thing. It's, it's not, not something light. you would program for a kiss em or dissem situation, even though it's great.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's why. Um, but my number one is fairly light and is really fun, and it's going to be pretty in pink.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I guess I shouldn't be shocked that that's right up you at You shouldn't the top.
0: be. It's number one. Yeah. It's it's and and look at pink right there in the title and everything about it feels like that. I mean Andy, you know Molly Ringwald's character is sort of washed in pink throughout the film and yeah. it has the color palette of Valentine's Day and it, it down to the car even and I, it's just it's a it's a great it's a great V Day film.
1: Well, as we've established on this podcast, it's the one um, John Hughes movie I seem to yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, so I can't feel too bad about this. Topping your list.
0: There you go. What's your number one, Corey? The
1: best romantic comedy of all time from 1934, Frank Capra's It Happened One Night, starring Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert, both of whom won Oscars for their lead roles in this movie. Um, It remains as sharp and funny as it did the day it was released. I can't get enough of this movie. I teach this movie too. Um, I teach this movie as sort of the prime example of Hollywood within the studio system, early studio system, but still within it, um, firing on all cylinders and creating not only a crowd pleaser, um, but a a crowd pleaser that has lasted the decades by remaining – Um, just a pleasure to watch due to the craft of the acting and filmmaking and just the sheer chemistry between Gable and Colbert. I love this movie. I can't get enough of it. Um, and, uh, for me, just kind of the indisputable champion of the romantic comedy genre. So it has to be my number one here.
0: I'm not surprised. But that's a good solid list. I think that's 20 films that if anybody is looking for content for the month of February. You
1: well, 21. Can, you, you cheated there at the, uh, at the start of your list. That's right. List. That's right.
0: Any of those would work for you.
1: And uh, you got some Nicolas Cage in there. So don't say we never did nothing for you.
0: Yeah. You could actually do a little triple feature. Valentine's Day triple feature.
1: You know what? That would rule. It Are would, you kidding right. me? Ooh. Now now I'm starting to think I should have put Mandy on this list. Make it a quadruple oh, feature.
0: Oh, sweet film. Sweet
1: film. <laughs> Romantic. <laughs> Not at all No face shattering. melting in that one. <laughs> so that's our top ten uh, ro- Valentine's Day slash romantic films. Um, did we leave something off of our list? Oh, we did. Uh, let us know. Let us know. Podcast at SidewalkFest.com. We want to hear from you.
0: Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Nico, uh,
1: Foxtrot. Uh, 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 <laughs> Man, that's weird.
0: Oh, Corey.
1: Yes.
0: (sighs) Picking it back up. Remember how I threatened that we were going to (laughs) pick John Peters back up because there was too much to unpack. This is John
1: Peters part two.
0: Yes. And we spent a lot of time, you know, mulling over our Valentine's Day film. So I'm going to kind of do this quick, but there is a good little bit to it. And I'm picking up with where we left off, Okay. which is that, yes, indeed, there was a a non-marriage, let's call it, to Pamela Anderson. So you ready for this? Yes. I want to start my story here, that in 1994 john peters met mindy williamson who was a breeder of arabian horses
1: <laughs> does she like peanut butter sandwiches
0: <laughs> she did because she became his fourth wife okay and that did not work out
1: i think if you're ever going to become somebody's fourth anything you need to rethink you know or, Agreed. or, or at least take a little bit longer to think about it than you I might think normally so.
0: i think so but in addition to that if if you had said to me just guess what profession john peter's fourth wife had yeah i might actually say i probably wouldn't have gotten the arabian horses but i would have been like horse breeder it just fits something horse
1: related right yeah
0: so here's here's the uh, here's what we do know about the pamela anderson marriage and we know a good little bit right and that is that um apparently the marriage certificate on his fifth marriage this is his fifth marriage to actress and model pamela anderson was never filed so we don't really know exactly what happened. They did have a wedding. Uh-huh. They had a wedding on Martin Luther King Day.
1: Okay, okay,
0: And so we know that that took place. We know that they, they apparently filed or filled out uh, they filled out some paperwork. I guess it was never filed, but they, f- they fill out the paperwork. Uh, so don't know what happened there, but the couple did separate uh, 10 days later, 10 days after the wedding ceremony. Ah. mm hmm Yep. And um, Anderson is is very quick to say, but they were never married. That it was never a, it was never a legally binding marriage. She wants everybody to know that. And um, yeah. And then, by the way, John Peters reportedly became engaged to actress Julia Bernheim, in uh, February 2020. Yeah. So I wow. mean, he's on to the next there. Um, no, that,
1: no time to slow down. No,
0: that announcement was actually made three weeks after his split from Anderson. <sighs> Yeah. So, but back to back to the back to the the subject at hand, which uh-huh. is Anderson, uh, Pamela Anderson, and John Peters' relationship here. Okay? A source close to Anderson told Page Six, the uh, the old reliable Page Six, <laughs> with the uh, with the very famous uh, source close to, um, that Pam Anderson was actually incredibly remorseful about the breakup, and what had happened was that she was homesick for her ranch in British Columbia. And had married Peters only because she was very open, and that's in quotes, very open immediately after returning from a month long uh Ayurvedic cleanse in India. Oh my God. Um but apparently he did not respond well to her autonomy. Okay, so I see your face is a your face is aghast. <laughs> um Peters has actually responded to page six Okay. In, in an email. And so this is the thing. I have a little piece of advice for anybody.
1: Don't do this. Should
0: you ever end up <laughs> in page six, just walk away. Yeah.
1: Walk just away. Just stay silent.
0: Don't send them an email. Do
1: not respond. This is the classic uh, mm. Hollywood version of trying to post through it. He's trying to post through it. He's trying to clear the record, but uh, that just adds uh, fuel to the fire.
0: Well, I have a quote from him. Okay. Pam had almost twenty thousand. Excuse me. Let me let me back up because I got the number wrong. Pam had almost two hundred thousand dollars in bills and no way to pay it. So I paid it, and this is the thanks I get. There's no fool like an old fool.
1: Oh, John.
0: He also claims that Pamela was the one to propose, which she did confess that she was very open. But after this cleanse, so maybe that is the case. Regardless, let me point out that you don't have to necessarily be sane or a decent human being, to be highly successful in Hollywood. John Peters is a producer of A Star is Born. Yes. The original, but uh, not the original, the I guess, stri- but the Strysand stri- stri- 70s stri- version. Sand. As well as the 2018 Star is Born. Bradley
1: Cooper was quick to point out uh, <laughs> after he was, after John Peters was, I guess, lightly me-tooed, I, yeah, I say lightly yeah, because lightly. it didn't stick, um, that... Um, Peters was only uh, credited as a producer on that film because of a contractual obligation. Okay.
0: Well, that's that's all good and well. Let me continue. Oh, Ollie uh-oh. in 2001. Uh-huh. Batman returns in 92. Uh-huh. Of course, Batman, as we've mentioned before, in 89. That's where
1: he's made most of his money, I imagine. He
0: EP'd Rain Man. He EP'd Gorillas in the Mist. Ooh,
1: he's got to be feeling pretty yep. good about that.
0: He was a producer on the uh, The Witches of Eastwick. Which, okay. at, at which time he was roommates with Jack Nicholson. I can't even imagine what those two uh, hucksters got up to, those two, you know.
1: Two chill dudes who mm-hmm. love the ladies, so you know that that was a good time. That was
0: shenanigans for sure. Um, he also uh, EP'd the color purple. He ep uh, or, excuse me, he produced The Legend of Billie Jean, one of my personal favorites, EP'd Flashdance. Oh, and let me just stop here. Uh-huh. 43 other titles.
1: So, here's my question to you. Yes. Doesn't sound like a great guy, <laughs> but does he kind of have like really good taste in the movies that he produces? Because oh, it sounds like some of these are really good movies. And I
0: did mention 43 other titles, so well, you're going to find out. Not all some of them are, are great,
1: there. I'm sure, but like. <laughs> A lot of those are really good movies, and it's, one wonders how much input he had in them as, you know, mega producer with the silly Prince Valiant haircut like Bradley Cooper has. I you. mean, it's nuts. Also, here, here's
0: the other point, right? How the hell do you have time to have this IMDb, IMDb page and to do all this work when, you know what, these are, we're talking about four, potentially five, marriages. Like that—that that would suggest that you're doing a lot of relationshiping, you know. As, and we know you are if you're rooming up with with Jackie Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, busy gentleman.
1: Sure. Mm, Still maybe gentleman's somehow. not the right word. Maybe not. Anyway,
0: um, I—I'll tell you what the moral of the story is, though. Uh, Pam Anderson I'm so glad that 200k got paid down girl. <laughs> girl, you did it. You did it. She's had a rough
1: go of it. Now, I think she deserves she a deserves little to nice to get attention that paid like down. That.
0: I mean, look, Tommy Lee have, as we've as we've attested on a on a previous episode uh-huh. has a Starbucks in his house. Somebody pay down her 200k, please. An- another and they
1: did. notoriously chill guy by the way. <laughs> uh, super nice. Never done anything wrong.
0: Anyway, that's this Installment of man that's weird.
1: Are we leaving the door open for John Peters part three Uh, as we learn more weird things about him? I think
0: John Peters is is leaving the door open for part three.
1: Oh, I hope so. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Side Talks podcast.
0: We are your own personal cinematic Cobra Kai and Miyagi Do. Okay. You know which one I am.
1: You're Cobra Kai. Oh,
0: hundred percent. I hate to say it, but a hundred percent.
1: Well, when we presented the awards Swipe at his legs. At, uh, <laughs> at a past Sidewalk uh, Film Festival award ceremony, we wore those skeleton costumes.
0: And, I know it was a good one.
1: Uh, yeah, that was. Kyle a good was the
0: shower. Was the shower curtain? Yeah, that's great.
1: That's great. That's great. Uh, we're sponsored by Revelator Coffee.
0: Also, let me just mention by the way, uh-huh. I got a follow-up email from Hey Daniel Scheinert, if you're listening at all. I know you probably aren't because you have too too many movies to make, but Dan d- the one and only director of The Dick Long and
1: co-director of Swiss Army Man yeah. and the upcoming Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I'm super excited to see.
0: Daniel Scheinert emails me after that award ceremony and he was present and he goes, Hey, so that was a lot of fun, but what the hell, why the hell was Kyle dressed as a shower curtain? Oh man. <laughs> anyway, I did point him to the CNN karate kid and he's like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, thanks. Yeah. Thanks to travel coffee. Thanks to Batwell studios.
1: Um, SidewalkFest.com or at sidewalk film on social media. That's where you can find showtimes for what's playing at the sidewalk cinema. Some good stuff. Coming up, depending on when you're listening to this, really, that's an evergreen statement. There's always good stuff coming up at the Sidewalk Cinema. Now, we haven't talked about this, but I saw a poster at Mm -hmm. the cinema for Joachim Trier's The Worst Person in the World.
0: Yeah, it should be happening.
1: That's excellent news. I've seen this movie. It's amazing. should be happening. So keep an eye on the website and on our social media accounts to see when we'll be opening The Worst Person in the World, one of the buzziest foreign language titles of 2021. Um, You're going to want to see it. It's amazing. Bye.
0: Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.